Welcome to The Void Project. I'm Kira Higgs, a strategist, meditator, and athlete. With a little help from my friends, I'm learning how to pare back what I own. It's not just about having less stuff to manage. It's about exposing old concepts hiding behind the excess. I'm learning from the best and running my own experiments. Listen in on 10 conversations packed with practical wisdom, insights, and tips. I'm extremely excited today to have Susan Walter as my guest. Susan is an educator at heart. She's also an author with a memoir in development. It tells the story of her existential crisis and how it led to her becoming a badass advocate. She's currently moving between states and between careers. And in both cases, Susan knows where she'll land. In Philadelphia, working with families and loved ones of people with disabilities to do future life planning that incorporates the associated legal, financial, and tax matters. Welcome, Susan. Thank you, Kara. You have an amazing story based on a generational experience. I actually want to head back to the first question I posed on the first episode of the Void Project podcast. And the question is, what is your relationship to stuff? I find this question to be oddly deep and revealing. It really has changed over time. So in the early college years, my early 20s, I said yes to everything because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know what I would need next week or even a year from there. So I accepted anything anyone wanted to give me. And then I realized that I'm actually the opposite of taking everything in. I want very little. If there's too much chaos, if there's too much stuff, I don't like taking care of it. I think that as I had experiences, understanding that I don't really need a lot of stuff to be a presentable person on a given day, I do better without. Was there an experience you had where you noticed that corner really being turned where in the beginning you were acquisitive and then something or some things occurred that brought new perspective to light? First of all, I don't like packing and hauling and moving. The fewer things that I had to schlep everywhere was always better. Were you moving a lot? In my youth, yeah, in my 20s, you know, an apartment here, the next apartment there. And it seemed like we were just always dragging the same icky old couch and mismatched everything else with us. I also had experiences in my teens being away for summers, canoeing in the boundary waters. You had to carry everything you needed and wanted. And so you didn't need a lot of stuff. You can't take a lot of stuff. You just can't schlep it everywhere. Or just going to the gym and being able to take a shower quickly and get dressed and head to work. If I'm not distracted by lots of odds and ends in the bathroom, I can be very efficient and it just takes half the time. No one knows where I took my shower. (laughs) I still can be a presentable person and take care of what I need to do in a day without wasting a lot of time fussing with lots of fiddly bits. So it sounds like for you, having fewer things to manage means that it frees your time up for other things. I think it does. I think I just don't get distracted. I don't end up wanting to rearrange and fuss or clean. I hate cleaning. I'm a great cleaner. I'm a great organizer, but I also just don't want to take care of things. I don't want to be the caretaker. I don't want those responsibilities. Yeah, this caretaking role, the more you have, the more there is to care for. That can creep up, sneak up on you. And it sounds like you found a way relatively early in your life to not have your life overtaken by that. 
Right. Now it didn't always work when my kids were young and they had stuff and we were, we just had stuff everywhere. Once they also got older, headed off to college, when my youngest finally graduated high school, we were also moving from one state to another. The house, the furnishings, it was sort of that time when it could use refreshing. I took the opportunity when we were doing that move to get everything out of the house and out from under my control, my caretaking, and push it onto the kids here are your boxes. You need to take your stuff. We're moving. You can't have the closet or the basement or the whatever anymore. I used a refugee resettlement program and organization in our town. And so they were able to take lots of the big things. My grandmother's dining room set. I don't need two tables to eat food on. So we got rid of the old fancy dining room set and we were able to put it in a place where people needed the furniture They benefited from having items that they obviously weren't able to move with themselves. And I was able to get rid of just so much stuff so that by the time we got to our new place, we could say, do we need a couch? Do we need a chair? Do we need these things? How about one table? And then we were able to furnish our space the way the space needed to be used. And we weren't trying to stuff a new house with all of our old things. We just simply downsized in more than one way. It was really refreshing. What I'm picturing is that you gave yourself the opportunity to move into a space and allow it to be a bit of a blank canvas. You weren't assuming the same furniture, the same layout, the same anything. You let it go. Did you know ahead of time where you were going to be moving? Not specifically. We knew what city, but we didn't know what kind of house or nothing like that. And then there was also the part where the kids didn't need to have anything specific in our new house either. We were looking at a new way of living that didn't involve children or teenagers and their things. It was just the perfect timing where we could take a look at how we wanted to organize our new space, what kind of aesthetic we were interested in, and then get rid of all the clutter. It it was really nice. Were you doing that with your husband? He was already mostly living in our new space because he's not very sentimental. I could over the phone give him a short list of things that I wanted to get rid of. And he tends to be a little bit more of a hoarder. In our new house, we had an agreement and there was sort of a pantry closet underneath the stairs. It became his closet under the stairs. That's where he put all of the things that he couldn't quite part with. Wait a second. I'm trying to reconcile that he's not sentimental and he's a hoarder. Right. He's just never sure if he's going to need something in the future for reference. So he has his day job, but he's also a musician. And so it might be music and equipment. And he just wasn't quite sure what his new life was going to look like. But his hobby does involve big stuff. Got it. So as a practical matter, getting rid of things he might need to support his music. He didn't want to risk that. Exactly. We just carefully boxed those sorts of things. I probably had several thousand books. I noticed that every time I picked one off, no matter how much I cleaned or vacuumed, they all made me sneeze. And so there was really no good reason to keep lots and lots of books any longer. Why did they make you sneeze? Many of them were really quite old. Not good quality, high value books, but over the years... My parents, my dad specifically, he and I shared a lot of books. And so after his death, 
I took a lot of his books and I read them. And then I had to have this little heart to heart conversation with myself and say, I'm not going to read these again. They did what they were supposed to do. The boxes and boxes and boxes of books that I sent to library resale. It was a lot like spreading his ashes. I was really giving away a very big part of us, but the enormity, the they're heavy, they're big, they take up space, you need bookshelves, and it just wasn't going to work any longer. All that information is already in my head and in my heart. I didn't need to keep my dad's books. Mm-hmm. You internalized it. Mm-hmm. I also want to go back to the example about, well, it's not an example, it's something you did, moving things out of the home and moving them through the refugee center. How did you make that choice? Because there's so many places that we could take things to people, friends we could give it to or goodwill or sell it. How did you make that decision? I had a friend, neighbor, who did a lot of volunteer work with the refugee center. And so it was just a very natural, you know, she was in my house all the time. She knew the sorts of things we had. She knew what I wanted to get rid of. And she just suggested it. And it was so simple and so well-received. They brought a truck lamps, sofas, coffee tables, bookcases, dressers, bed frames. And they were so happy and so grateful. And it just felt good. So much better than just sending it to blind donation. This was directly affecting people's lives with immediate, immediate need. It was wonderful. It was really nice. I love that you're bringing that idea forward. It's not something I thought of, but now that you've mentioned it, I'm definitely going to keep it in mind. The way the refugee center worked, they were set up in apartments. And so they needed chairs, they needed tables, they needed desks for their kids. The apartments weren't particularly large. The furniture needed to fit inside them. The refugee center did a wonderful job setting up accommodations pots and pans. I was able to offload a lot of that stuff too that was just extra. Here's why I also had a lot of extra. My mom was also downsizing at the same time and moving out of the big house that us kids were raised in. She had been the the end caretaker for two grandma houses and two great aunt houses. She had multiple sets of furnitures and dressers and china and knickknacks and Christmas stuff. And there was just a tremendous amount of things. And a lot of it had been kept because my kids were getting older. Some of the cousins were getting older. And so she was just the caretaker in her big basement. She said, when you all need these things, come and get them. And of course, nobody wanted anything by the time they got into their early 20s. So there was just a tremendous amount of stuff. And it all belonged to nice people that were loved. And we could pull out this plate and we go, oh, The holiday cookies were always served on this platter. And what do you do with those memories and all of those things? So I felt very guilty when my mom said, do you want this? And she was just hopeful that I would take it. But I was not wanting more stuff either. We had to have a conversation where I agreed to ask other family, like my daughter, if she wanted things. I would definitely do that if my mom was really worried about something just leaving the family. We agreed that I got to say no one time and she wasn't required to try and upsell me or tell me about different ways I could use things. And that I also agreed to hold on to a few things for her. We have a guest room for her. She could keep some things in the guest room that would just make her comfy or some Christmas decorations that she had made that reminded her of my dad that I would hold on to those for a while and make them part of our 
holiday festivities. I really am hearing that you did not do an all or nothing with her. Yeah, I still can't quite do that. (laughs) Well, and that, that you two had a mature conversation where you both talked about what you want. You both talked about what you, well, you shared with her what you were willing and not willing to do. And then together talked through these items. How it ended up as they got placed or released was really intentional and really conscious. Very much so. And we both realized that we are probably less sentimental than a vast majority of the population. So that once we gave each other permission to let things go, we're both like, oh, we don't care as much as we thought we did. It was an interesting revelation. We kept some things they had to be functional too. So I kept a grandma bowl. She mixed her dumplings in it. I make cookie dough in it. I have this beautiful cut glass. I think it's a dish from the 1950s. Instead, I use it in my bathroom as my little catch-all for a hair tie or a little perfume thing. It has to be repurposed and it can't just be sitting on a shelf collecting dust. A Christmas ornament, I kept a couple from my grandmother. So just not a lot of things and not very big things. Now you're moving to a new state and are you in this move, keeping it pretty lean? with what you're taking? You know what? I did the same thing because of the Afghan refugee movement that happened last summer. Our town, for some reason, was listed incorrectly statistically. And so we received a far larger number of refugees than would normally put in a populated town of our size. I did the same thing. We had accumulated some furniture that filled the house. There were things that I no longer wanted simply from a from an aesthetic standpoint. We gave stuff away. We sold the house last summer. And so we're at about nine months with a very culled down version of our belongings and they've been in pods. So we've been using this year to travel and do some fun things. And we are just now about to go buy a home in a new state. I'll get on the phone and call the pods to be delivered. And it's been really interesting not living with what you would consider a traditional house, my belongings being surrounded by my stuff. I'm living out of a couple suitcases. And again, no one would know if you just walk past me on the street, you'd say, oh, she's a pod lady. All of her things are in pods. Can you believe she's living out of a suitcase? And it's been really enlightening and revealing how much more creative I can be if I'm not taking care of stuff. I find that I don't procrastinate. I'm not redirected to go clean or organize or fuss with something. I can be a lot more creative and focused. I want to second that because I'm living much the same way since Halloween of 2022. So it's almost seven months now. I've been living out of a suitcase and a backpack. It's been revelatory to see how little I need day to day. I went from thinking I had to have five hair care products in my possession at all times, (laughs) taking up a lot of space and a lot of weight to realizing I can pick up what I need on the road. Life is actually simpler and it has opened up so much more space to be eyes wide open about what's going on around me instead of having hugs and pulls on my attention to clean and manage and organize and all that. Exactly. There are a couple things that I really miss. My excellent chef's knife. Agreed. Uh, I'm still cooking everywhere I need to go. And I'm missing some of my art. I have a really good friend who, as an artist, she and I did a lot of trade. And I have some really lovely pieces. And I just kind of miss seeing them. 
I'm kind of excited to get them out of the pot again. But otherwise, really, there's very little that I've missed. And I bet I've forgotten what I even have. Won't that be interesting when pods show up at your new home and you, you and your husband open the doors and see what's in there? Oh my gosh. We're going to shake our heads and go, why? Why? You've mentioned a couple of insights that strike me. Early on, you talked about how much better it feels to have very little to manage, especially when you were camping, and that how that experience transferred into how you live. You mentioned discovering along with your mom that you really aren't that sentimental. You also talked about being able to have conversations about values and what is meaningful to you and the people that you love as you're dealing with the things that are in your possession. Are there other insights that you've gleaned from these different times when you have gone through a purge or a move or even this leap to realizing how much easier it is to do workouts at the gym? Yes. So I really like being out of doors. I would rather be out having an experience than cleaning or fussing with my belongings, even doing lots of laundry. I've always had a capsule wardrobe, not too many things. I probably have more workout gear than I do business casual. I just tend to cycle through a few things that all kind of mix and match. Did you have a capsule wardrobe before capsule wardrobe became capsule wardrobe? Yep. I'm kind of a classic. So I'm not a high fashionista anyway. So it just works for me to have a lot of the basics and I don't miss the fluff of whatever is the current color or the current trend. I'm pretty simple. I'm not very high maintenance. I don't wear a lot of makeup. I don't spend a lot of time on my hair because it's usually in a ponytail because I'm out for a run or a hike. I think one of the biggest insights is that I have time for my hobbies and things that I really like to do if I'm not taking care of other people's things or having to hunt in a crowded closet for the thing, I don't know, whatever thing du jour, just having the simplicity takes away a lot of the worrying decision-making, worrying in the way that it's like busy work just makes life a lot simpler. So it frees you up to do what you want to do. Oh, absolutely. Well said. Thank you. Well, you said it. I think I just mirrored it back. Well, is there anything I didn't ask you about that you would like to add before we start to wrap up? I think I can sum it up and it kind of encapsulates all of your your questions. I have to do caretaking for an adult child with a disability, a health disability. And I would rather my time be spent there creating a better quality of life for him than caretaking for odds and ends that just are heavy and hold us back. I would rather be out having experiences. There's also my mental health. I operate better when I feel freer and lighter. And I notice that not being surrounded by clutter and tchotchkes and extra stuff everywhere, I'm clearer in thinking. If I go to into like a, a TJ Maxx or like one of those food club places like a Sam's Club or a Costco, I actually shut down because there's too much chaos. There's too much. It's big. It's everywhere. And so I guess I'm not having any fun any longer. So for me, I can breathe better when I have more space, when I have more freedom. So you have organized your life multiple times, actually, around your priorities and your values. Efficiency, the absence of sentimentality, less clutter. When it is time to let go of things, having them go to places that can use them and, and benefit immediately. Yep. And you weren't talking about 
needing to make a lot of money getting rid of those, but rather you all were prioritizing having it go to a place that really needed it. Yeah. I think there are a lot of costs involved in accumulating and acquiring objects where we can use that money towards experiences. Beautiful. I just love this project that you're doing because I hadn't really thought about it as a deliberate choice. It felt very natural to me. So I didn't read a book on it. I didn't think twice about what we were doing until you actually were talking about it in your void project. I'm like, oh, this is a thing. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? I didn't even know until it came into form. And as people ask me about it, I find myself saying this podcast is not about why someone should downsize or deal with their things differently. It's not about how to. This podcast is about people who do this for themselves, who do it for others. And what do you actually learn? Like what gets revealed? What gets sparked? What inspiration comes out of going underneath the stuff and loosening it, shifting it? Thank you so much for these awesome stories. You, your kids, your husband, your mom, really such a joy to hear your experience today. Thank you for letting me tell you some of these stories. It's really fun. I was especially keen to invite Susan as a guest because she had found herself sorting through belongings with her mom. Her mom was doing it around the same time. That made for a potential conflict about who would take what. But as she shared, they both were able to articulate what mattered to them. And having set up agreements between them about how it would go, they were able to make decisions about what item would go where. It wasn't black and white across the board. It was more nuanced than that. But they had a lot of clarity about how they wanted to make decisions. And they applied that. Another way to put it is that they created an organizing principle that worked for both of them. What a clean approach. I didn't know before she joined me on the call that we were both living out of our suitcases during the same window of time and having similar insight come from having all of our things in storage while we traveled. She mentioned a couple things that she misses, like her chef's knife and her art. Totally second missing my chef's knife, my blender, my bullet juicer. Fortunately, some of the Airbnb hosts I'm staying with have that equipment. But here's a thing I found. I like variety. I like changing things up. And so it's kind of fun to go from place to place and discover what kind of coffee maker this host has compared to that host and making little adjustments. It has kept things out of routine. It's kept things out of getting stuck. As my brother put it to me, staying in traveler mode means that you're constantly working things out, constantly up against new that asks you to think about things in a different way. And in a way, keeps things fresh, keeps things alive, keeps things present. For me, keeps me from going through life in a way that's too relaxed because I'm a bit too comfortable. So that's it for this episode of The Void Project. I look forward to sharing more with you on the next one.